forever. Dog. Hello, Godcast fans, enthusiasts, aficionados. You know who it is? It's the guy who watches you 24-7, 365, at leap days also, God, a.k.a. Jehovah, joined as always by his trusty and lovable sidekick, Joan O'Ark. Hello, Joan. That is me. Hello, my lord. Hello. Uh, you are looking excited, and I know why. Mm-hmm. I'm excited, too. We have not one, but two special shows for you this week and next week. So I'm sure you're all familiar with the TED Talks. The TED Talks are the series of lectures around the world where numerous experts in almost every field imaginable uh, speak to audiences for about 10 to 15 minutes and give the illusion that they will have solutions that can solve problems. And it's very popular and a lot of people go there. They leave feeling great accomplished nothing, but it's a great feeling temporarily, and I'm, I'm all for that. I love that, and I admire that, and frankly, I kind of envied that, to be honest with you. So oh. this year, I decided to initiate my own series of, of TED Talks. Mm-hmm. Only mine are not called TED Talks. Now, oh, we're not Joe, calling them TED Talks? You know me. You know my penchant for puns. I do enjoy a good pun. Uh-huh. So instead of TED Talks... I'm calling them God Talks. <gasps> huh? 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 I love it! I right? love that. Like, right? like how like, we do a podcast, but it's called God Cast. Yes, exactly. And, and the result is pure hilarity and cleverness. <laughs> Wordplay does not get more delicious than that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we had our first set of God Talks last month. In Palo Alto, naturally. That's where everything of any worth starts these days. So we had it there. We had a good group of a few hundred uh, industry leaders who were gathered in the auditorium to listen to the two guest speakers. And those two guest speakers are the two speakers to whom all of you are listening right now, myself (laughs) and Joan. That's me. Yes, she was. Joan was very excited. Joan went first. She delivered her God talk. Then I delivered mine. And on today's episode of the Godcast, you're going to hear her God talk. And then next week, you're going to hear my God talk. So I'm setting you up for this one, Joan. I was there. I was in the audience. I was God, so I was able to get myself a a third row seat. And I watched you do it. And. Mm-hmm. I, I, your words will speak for themselves. Oh, I was so nervous. You were terrific. You were terrific. <laughs> you were tremendous. You. And I mean, I, I could see you were nervous. You were sweating. To be <sighs> fair, you're always on. You're always on fire. And I thought maybe that contributed to the sweating well, a little bit. Well, doesn't help. <laughs> no, but you were really, really great. And I think people Thank left you. there really inspired and ready to just over. Oh, don't give. Don't. I'm not giving it away. I'm sorry. Spoilers, give it away. my lord. So, uh, without any further ado, I present to you the God Talk of Joan of Arc. God Talks. Ideas worth dreading. Good afternoon, everybody. 
I'm Joan of Arc, also known as the maid of... Huh? What? I, I can't... forget I'm wearing a helmet and full body armor and that I'm on fire. Anyway, good afternoon everybody. I'm Joan of Arc, also known as the Maid of Orléans, the Maid of Lorraine, and to my older sister Louise, the Maid of Honor. <laughs> I'm here today to talk about the power of what people in my country would call positivity but what you might call positivity. I'm no different from anyone else. Like all of you, I have faced disappointment. Like all of you, I have experienced setbacks. Like all of you, I was executed by order of John, Duke of Bedford, Regent of Henry VI. But even in that terrible moment, the low and last point of my life, I turned burning at the stake into learning at the stake. How did I do it? By following one simple motto, Joan. J-O-A-N. Just overlook any negativity. That's it. Just overlook any negativity. You see, I believe 90% of what happens in life comes down to attitude. Do you see the glass as half empty or half full? Do you see the 100 years war as 50 years waged or 50 years unfought? Do you see your trial as half unfair or entirely unfair? The answer as you're about to see, makes all the difference. Let me start from the beginning. For the first 13 years of my life, I was a simple French peasant girl with no higher ambition than to tend my parents' farm and play this old hurdy-gurdy. It was old anyway. I was just another waif cruising the mean streets of Domremy. I didn't go to school. I didn't even know how to read. Although, for some reason, I was an excellent writer. Or so I'm told. I don't know. I couldn't read what I wrote. Then, one day in my father's garden, I had a vision of St. Michael, St. Catherine, and St. Margaret instructing me to drive the English out of France. Think of it. Just as I hit puberty, a trio of young angelic hotties appeared to me in my father's garden telling me to mingle with thousands of strange men. The subtext is obvious. I needed to drive the English out of France. The visions and the voices continued to visit me, generally at night 
in my room with the door locked and the sound machine on for three years. And as I started sharing word of the miracle, my can attitude received its first test in the form of skeptics. It would have been all too easy to heed the advice of all those doubters around me who said, Joan, you are suffering from latent undiagnosed schizophrenia with a delusion of grandeur comorbidity. You are mentally ill and need serious psychiatric help. Especially since those around me included mom and dad. But did I listen to those actual voices? No, I just overlooked any negativity. Instead, I listened to that little voice inside my head telling me to listen to those three other little voices inside my head. And sure enough, the news of my hallucinations eventually reached the ears of the future King of France, Charles VII, and my youthful confidence and gender-fluid joie de vivre captivated him so much, he brought me with him to help rescue the city of Orléans. City. It's Mardi Gras, baby. Show okay, us. security, can Show you maybe... Get... I have a right to be you know who I am. I'm Mark fucking Zuckerberg. Sorry about that, folks. Sometimes I have to play Joan of Narc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh, Orléans. The city was under siege. Morale was low. The English were threatening to break in any day and force their terrified citizens to eat fish and chips and apologize all the time. But I gathered the troops together and said, guys, just overlook any negativity. We can beat these British pieces of merd. We can break this siege. All we have to do is work hard, believe in ourselves, attack the fortress of San Lu, launch a rapid cavalry charge to capture the monastery at Les Augustins before establishing tactical advantage on the south bank of the Loire and assaulting the main English stronghold at Les Tourelles and believe in ourselves. <laughs> and guess what? That's exactly what we did. Merci very much. For the next year, at an age when most girls are not leaving the French army, I led the French army. The Moi movement had not yet come to France. Keep in mind, this was 1429, not 1446. <laughs> As you can imagine, the generals around me were continually questioning my credibility as a leader. When they weren't teasing me by calling me names like tomboy and gold star lesbian and obvious lesbian, they were harassing me, asking me whether my helm matched my tacit and inviting me over to their bivouacs for a, quote, quick debriefing. But did I let it get me down? No. What did I do? Just overlook 
any negativity. I had a mission, and I would no more be distracted by a handful of male chauvinists than I would by the much larger group of nice, cute boys whom I could not let myself be seen alone with due to the need to maintain a public reputation of chastity. Regardless of whatever personal urges I may have been experiencing as a normal 17-year-old girl who didn't ask for this. It was a glorious year. We won victory after victory at Jargon, Bochessy, Saint-Pierre-Mutier, and other battles with names still familiar to every French child who's ever had to do a book report about me. <laughs> I even escorted Charles VII, who by now I affectionately called Chucky Seven Spots, to his coronation. It was the happiest day of my life, but even then I had to J-O-A-N when he referred to me in his acceptance speech as Little Miss Gaudy Pants. He told me later it was a joke. I didn't take it as a joke. He didn't say it like a joke. He said it like you say something where deep down you're really resentful, but then you pass it off like you're just kidding. But everyone knows you're not, especially in the context of a large formal occasion where you kind of have to just sit there and take it. <sighs> Anywho, I knew all along that God had a special fate planned for me. So when I was captured by the enemy shortly after the coronation, I wasn't worried. I had absolutely no concerns about my future. Don't let my numerous documented escape attempts, including a desperate jump from the top of a 70-foot tower onto the soft earth beside a moat, fool you. And when the English threatened to put me to death for heresy, I still wasn't worried. I saw it as an opportunity. An opportunity not to be put to death for heresy. But then came the trial. It was a media circus. Every morning, the courthouse was surrounded by town criers waiting to hear the latest so they could run back to their towns and cry. And the questions the English asked. So humiliating. Why did I wear men's clothes? Was I truly a virgin? Was my favorite band really St. Hildegard and the Benedictine Blues Machine? It wasn't. It totally wasn't. They had, like, one good chant. It was the trial of the century, back when trials of the century really meant something. But still, I just overlooked any negativity. For all that energy, I knew God knew I was innocent. So I knew that in the end, I would be found innocent. I was found guilty. Shut up. Shut up. That was when May decided to just overcook any negativity. That's when things got tough because I have to admit when they tied me to the stake I was a little sad and when they set the pile of kindling at my feet ablaze I was a little perturbed. 
And when the flames began to rise and I thought a little about all the things I would never experience, like getting married and having children and doing the thing you do after you get married in order to have children, which that was, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was pretty bummed about that one. And when my flesh started to burn, it hurt, it, it hurt, it, it really, really fucking hurt. And I, I can't even tell you how much it hurt. But just then, as I screamed my life away, God granted me one more insight. That all along, Joan didn't just stand for just overlook any negativity. It stands for something else even more important. For what I do when a door closes. For what you should do when a door closes. Just open a another door. You see, it's true. God never closes a door without opening another door or a window or some other aperture that provides an opportunity along with a steady supply of oxygen for the fire. So, when I died at that stake, I was determined to just open another door. I turned that inferno into an infer yes, and with a little help from the Pope and six centuries of fiercely partisan French Catholic historians, I was able to transform the worst and last moment of my life into the best and first moment of my afterlife. Today, I'm a saint, a household name, and an internationally beloved heroine. I've been written about by Voltaire, Shaw, Twain, Brecht, and dozens more. My face is in the Louvre on a Euro coin and in Assassin's Creed 2. I've been portrayed on screen by such actresses as Ingrid Bergman, Genevieve Bujol and Jane Weedlin of the Go-Go's in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure for some reason. And best of all, I'm even God's sidekick on the insanely popular podcast, Godcast. Thanks! It is that good. Whenever life gets you down, whenever the English capture you with the English, metaphorically meaning any large life problem, and capture, metaphorically meaning adversely impact, whenever the kindling of life starts crackling at your feet and you realize that you've been invited to a barbecue that's a barbecue, you don't despair. Remember me and those two sets of four simple words. Just overlook any negativity and just open a another door. And speaking of doors, the door.
And there you have it. That was Joan of Arc's God Talk and Joan, bravo. Bravo. It was fantastic. Thank you so much, it my was... Lord. Your support means everything. So thank you I for was... being there. I'm sorry I couldn't get you better seats, but I really appreciate your support. It's okay. I'm God. Being in the third row, I, I was still able to see you. And you were tremendous. You were poised. You were dignified. You were inspiring. And you handled that incredibly drunk Mark Zuckerberg so well. And I was very proud of you at that moment. <laughs> well, thank you, my lord. But you know, that's why my new motto is just overlook any Zuckerberg. Oh, that is great. That's great. Well, thank you, Joaz. Well, that's all for this show. Next week, I will be addressing the God Talk conference. And my speech is not to be missed. Seriously, it is not to be missed. If you miss it, you can go to hell and you will. Until next week, this is God. Don't sin. Godcast is a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Alex Ramsey, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and David Jabberbaum. Original music by Gabe Lopez. Joan of Arc appears courtesy of Tara Sands. For more original podcasts, visit foreverdogpodcasts.com. And subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For ad-free episodes and exclusive bonus content from this show and others, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. And if you haven't already, remember to follow God on Twitter at The Tweet of God. Forever Dog.